Craft Beer Radio, episode 205 on February 12, 2012. February? February. I always say February, but that's not right, apparently. It's February. Yeah, I've never said But it's not February. February. Anyway, welcome to Craft Beer Radio, where we are... Wing it tonight in, in more ways than one because the beer selection is, is, is rather unique. Well, we got a couple brewery beers from Gary, right? which we can't leave those in the fridge. That's just not. sacrilege. And I've got some other stuff, so let's start off with uh, some of these wheat ones here. Um, let's do the Saranac. Wait, yes. IPA. Now, we've had this before on, uh, I think, post one show. of our post shows. Yeah. This is a white IPA. Yeah. This is. What is a white IPA, you might ask? Indeed. Well, it's kind of the opposite of a dark IPA, right? Um, <laughs> well, it kind of, I mean, it's, it's inspired like a, a by... A black IPA, you mean. Black IPA, yes. It's inspired by the notion of doing this crazy black IPA. So let's take a wit beer and hop it up. And that's kind of what they did here. So uh, Saranac's white IPA is an ale brewed with spices, and it shows coriander, orange peel, and hops on the label there. Uh, yeah, so... Think wit beer with a lot of hops. So they call this a hybrid IPA Belgian white. Uh, it is malted with two-row wheat oats and hopped with only citra. It is 6% alcohol by volume, 14.8 original gravity. Now, this is what concerned me last time. Maybe my taste buds will have adapted to it by now. But when I had it the last time, it was that only citra hop that made it feel unbalanced to me. It, it made it feel... It, it, it gave it um, kind of a chemically... A chemical taste. Gotcha. Yeah, I'm, I would presume that they use citra because it's such a citrusy hop. And it's a whippier, which has an orange peel character to it. Right. And citrus, citru, citric notes work well. That's why they put orange or lemon slices on them at times, right? So they figured, let's put citra in there and, and hop the hell out of it. And uh, so when you put your nose up to the glass... You get mostly that a hoppy aroma. Here, let me uh, let me try to put some words to it. I mean, two row, two row barley, wheat, and oats. There's tangerine. I think tangerine would be the aroma I'm coming up with. Yes, I can definitely agree with you there. Maybe um, what are the little clementines? Clementines, yeah. yeah. Yeah, tangerine, yeah, tangerine, clementine, somewhere in there. You get a little bit of of the the malt, the breadiness, and the aroma, but really the the hops are are the main show. And um, I had to actually like look really close to the label to see if those were um, coriander seeds in a pile there or not, because you know we've had this beer before, and I, they sent us a few bottles, so I've been drinking it, I've been really enjoying it, but I've never tasted coriander in a thing, <laughs> so the coriander is kind of hidden they by They definitely the, uh, say orange peel and coriander are in here. Yeah. So. I mean, if it was missing, you might notice, but uh, it's not standing out like it does in many whip beers. But I'm going to focus on trying to taste coriander this time. Okay. Oh. The, the, the color of the beer is, as you would expect from most wit beers, a a straw, a yellow color. Yeah, quite cloudy. Quite. There's something, I, I don't know whether artificial is, is, is the right word for it, but it's coming off as very pithy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Funny thing is, like I said, I've been having, I've had a few of these this week, and this one tastes more citric acidity and more pithy than any of the other ones that I recall, which is curious. That's interesting, because these Maybe are because, all presumably the same batch. Well, they are. I mean, this one, I'm paying more attention to it, where the other ones, I was just enjoying it and not really deeply analyzing the beer. So I'm curious if, like, I don't know. I don't know. I, it's, I'm trying to say maybe when I'm... Like have air, all my senses turned on, it, it's more overpowering. But not sure. Hops are a big part of the flavor. You get a little bit of the dry wheat flavor um, up front, 
but it's quickly taken over by the hoppiness. And it, it's it's that citra hop where it's orangey, pretty pithy, maybe just a little twist of grapefruit, but not too much. Yeah. I'm I'm trying to, you know, you normally will get even some lemon or uh some some other range of notes, but it it it's it's falling if the orange thing I can I can taste some of the orange peel in there, but it's just a hop. The hop is pretty overwhelming here. And I I wish that it was hopped in a in a more I don't know if gentle is way, but I wish there was. If they had to use Citra, and why not? It's you know people are playing around with it a lot. Mm-hmm. I I would think they could also add a, a different hop, maybe something continental, maybe you know to yeah. to bring it to to bring out some of those flavors, but to balance it a bit. Sure, I think you could definitely do that. I think they wanted to play up the the Whitbeer uses citric flavors. Let's use a citric flavored hop. I think that's kind of what they wanted to play up. I would have thought a great idea too right um i still enjoy it that first sip was really pithy like you said but it's um actually it's you know it's first time i i, I usually drink it in just normal pint glass right we're drinking it in these um wine glasses roughly yeah. roughly a wine glass so maybe that's changing some of my perception on it too could be these are uh saver glasses from last year mm-hmm and um, they're decent glasses for getting a, a a good taste of of the beer and relatively small portions, which is what we they like. work really well for us because we usually split twelve ounce bottles or twenty two ounce bottles. And some with the bigger glasses, especially the more delicate beers, the beer is too far away from your nose to really get a good aroma. Where this smaller glass, this is a eight ounce glass, you know, works well for for our, our, the way we do the show. So I would say if you were if you had to use wine, this is probably more of a of a white wine glass than mm-hmm. a than yeah. a red wine glass. So it's it's it has less of a bulb to it. But technically, it is a beer glass. <laughs> it's designed for uh, sa- I don't know if it was a unique design for Saver, but I mean it's what they picked out for Saver. So. Yeah. The largest glass of Saver's ever had, as I recall, because yep. normally they had these little stout ones. Mm-hmm. Now, I just sent you an article that I had read earlier, and th- this um, is interesting because it goes back to our blind shows. Okay. Uh, what this is about is uh, taste of perception, where people were, there were experts who, for example, confused white wine with a red when it was served at room temperature in a dark glass. Mm-hmm. Um, you'll enjoy soggy old potato chips. If your chewing is accompanied by the satisfying sound of crunching in your headphones. <laughs> and people can't tell the difference between gourmet liver pate and dog food as long as it's presented in the same luxurious way. <laughs> I think that's people that just want to eat something fancy then, right? <laughs> well, the whole point is that your experience of doing mm-hmm. it, you know, all these things add into everything that... Um, you know that that you're right. That, you, that you're getting so your taste of things and your 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 ability to to enjoy how things taste is is qualified by other things and you know this sort of because you know like sometimes food tastes better when you're happy than when you're sad. I don't know. Some people would say ice cream maybe tastes better when you're sad, right? <laughs> but if if you're in a if you're in a high up you know high class place. And people serve you appetizers mm. that look wonderful. You know, they could be made with like Velveeta, and you wouldn't necessarily know. You, you'd be picking out notes, or you'd be like, mm, "This is lovely," just because the the experience itself is lovely, and that's mm-hmm. elevating everything else There's around that. you. And part of it, not in this test per se, but part of it is you go to the high class restaurant, and you're paying thirty dollars for an appetizer. Yes, <laughs> you want it to be good. Yes, right? you want to enjoy that. So that could be part of it in the real world situation. There are restaurants um, that I think they have some in Germany where the the restaurant is dark. The people who serve you are actually blind, 
And the whole point is is that you're you have nothing else but the food. In in fact, if you need to go to the bathroom, like they will walk you. Yeah, they had one of those on an episode of The League, uh, and you know, and there was hijinks involved where two guys snuck in to to I forget what they're doing, they're trying to get some information or trying to steal a draft pick or something. But they yeah, you know, they snuck into they had night vision goggles and they snuck uh-huh. into the dark restaurant. So that was fun. Oh, you're, you're you're nursing this one. Yes, I'm ready to move on to the next. I'm year. sorry. Yeah, the um, the Saranac White IPI. I was at the beer distributor. They didn't have cases of this, but I did notice it was in their current um, variety pack. So you might have to call and get a whole case if you want. To, but yeah, I haven't seen that at the shop. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a it's got a green label. So it it really stands out. Yeah, yeah, it's very similar to a lot of theirs. It's kind of inverse from their normal pale ale, where their normal pale ale is green with a white uh, background. This is white background with a green edging. All right, so the next we're going to do another wheat beer, double wheat from Shiner Spitzel Brewery. This is their one hundred and two. So this is, and they call it. Well, are you sure that's that's a wheat? It says double wheat on the neck label right there. Because they say on their site, classic American pale ale. The Shiner 102? Yes. So this is the <laughs> maybe this is the Shiner 102 double wheat. Maybe it's a different version. But I thought the 102 was their 102nd anniversary. Yeah. Yeah, it says celebrating 102 years... Interesting. Let's see here. I, did, I got their mobile site by accident. So let me go to their main site, which is, of course, this ridiculous flash nonsense. I have to enter in my date of birth, which is the worst thing. I mean, come on. Maybe that must be now like a regulation or something, because there's no reason to have it on websites. Special recipe that sits right between a wheat beer and a wheat wine ale. This... Marketing speak, double wheat ale pours a marketing speak. Well, it's pale straw. I guess that's okay to say. Aromatic Czech Zots and Washington Golding Hops. Chris character, malted wheat. There is nothing finer, Greg. Nothing finer? Nothing finer. Nothing finer, 49er... It's Shiner Multi Sweet Filtered Wheat. I I don't see in their flash site. Unfortunately, well, maybe this is a counterfeit beer. Or the website's <laughs> counterfeit. Okay, so filtered wheat. It is a crystal vites, a crystal double vites, and it is a uh, super duper clear little head on it. And like the the description said, it was halfway between a. Uh, um, wheat wine and which is so. It does have a really nice aroma to it. Between a bright wheat beer and a wheat wine, kind of toasty. Something like a little toffee in the aroma there. It's a toast, toasty thing going on. I can see where they're going wheat wine, right? Because it, it, but it's not quite there. It's something a little more delicate. It's a neat smell. I like that. What else is going on there? Hmm. Okay, this is weird. <laughs> Greg's having problems with their website. Big problems. The the Google preview says something different than what's actually on <laughs> on the site. <laughs> the, the Google preview it, it starts with our double wheat features a malt base containing fifty percent wheat. The wheat variety is Brundage, a soft white winter wheat released in nineteen ninety seven. But the website says, um, oh, there it is. <laughs> flash. Blame the flash. Uh, let's see. It's a check exhaust, like I said, Washington Golding Hops. 4.84% alcohol by volume. It's 14 IBUs. If you're curious, 184 calories. It's interesting because there's definitely this toasty thing going on. 
uh, Roma has that, that toffee toast thing, and then they go into the flavor, and it is a double wheat, where it's it's getting close to that wheat wine, where its carbonation is low. What did you say the ABV was on this? 4.84, which, you know, for a wheat wine, it seems kind of well, low. Double, for, even for a double wheat, right? I mean, because it almost feels a little boozy, and the carbonation is low, because, you know, you think higher higher alcohol beer can't hold the carbonation in. Um that's weird. Four point eight. Maybe okay. So I said it feels boozy, but really, it, what I it was a uh, it was me picking the wrong. I was getting one input and and choosing the wrong outcome. Right, the the input I'm getting is is this really concentrated flavor where it maybe it was just boiled for. Ever, right? It has so much kettle caramelization going on there. It has yeah. that toasty, colorful co- uh, toffee thing going on. And in a wheat beer, you know, it's not something you normally, you know, pull out right away. I mean, it has more of that going on than a lot of the, the wheat wines and things that we've had. It's really kind of interesting. It reminds me, not in flavor-wise, but in terms of the interesting flavors you're getting of the buckwheat beer we had last week. Mm-hmm. Where there's some interesting stuff going on here. Yeah, um, I think you know Shiner gets gets crap from from me included for Shiner Bach, which I don't necessarily like very much. But it's the same the way way kind of New Belgian maybe gets crap for Fat Tire, but the other stuff they do is really good. Mm-hmm. And yeah, Shiner's Shiner's kind of walking a, a fine line. Some of their beers, like their Kosh, which I don't think they make anymore. Someone really? told us told me it was last year they said it, but they said the Kosh is out of production. Um, and then you know some of the like I've the, the 101 was a uh, Czech pills or something like that. This one's pretty good though. It doesn't have any of that twang that you might be expecting from a Shiner from a Spotsil beer. Uh, first sip I had, I thought there was something a little plasticky going on, but I really couldn't nail it down. But after two or three sips, I'm not noticing it. What I'm noticing is. Like I said, it's, it's this kind of surrounding sphere of 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 caramelization. It tastes like a really big beer, doesn't it? It has I because mean, of that concentrated flavor yeah. from that caramelization, and and it's surprisingly sessionable. Mm-hmm. And you know, I have to give that a lot of credit for for being able to to bring that out. I just like curious, like how long did this boil for? And you know, they're a big brewery; they might not be able to afford to boil it for two, three, four hours. Maybe they did something else to make that, but it really seems like it was like a multi-hour boil. It's not... Like, it doesn't have a deep, dark color to it either. It's... Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, for a wheat beer... It's, it's, it's a it's, darker golden than, than you would guess yeah. for most wheat beers. And, it, you know, it's filtered out, right? So if it was still with all the wheat protein in there, right... It would probably appear much darker because of all the light absorption. So, because it's crystal, um, that'll mm-hmm. let more light through. It'll seem lighter than it would have otherwise. But you don't necessarily get this kind of malt character from, say, a crystallized. No, no, no. This is a—it's uh, interesting because I can't think of another beer that gives me this kind of malt character. It's pretty. It's I pretty think. Unique. I, I think that a, a beer that gives you a malt carry like this are those stone. Um, oh, the, the stone uh, Stein beers. Stein beers, the ones that have the 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 hot stones inside, so that they get the caramels. Yeah, we, we you talked about those last week or the week yeah. before. And it was the same kind of thing where it was just a very heavily caramelized beer, kettle caramelized beer. Yeah. See, I wonder if you could do that without necessarily having to deal with stones like if you could find some sort of ceramic heating thing that you could put into the kettle yeah i mean it's all about i mean with the steam system you can't right steam won't get hot enough but if you have direct fired you know you gotta worry about scorching the work well, i mean you could put in um but i mean i guess you know stein beers you're putting in rocks at several hundred degrees five six hundred degrees so they're gonna scorch the wort when they you know yeah you do it also but I think it's the the burning, continuing to burn, like on a direct fire kettle would be a problem. But yeah, you could probably do. 
it'd be a expensive kettle to make, right? Something with ceramic things on the bottoms that get the heat to be inefficient to be a mess. And also, I, I don't know what you know. Do you throw out the stones when you're done with them? Can you reuse them? Sometimes they um, they put the stones in the fermenter so the yeast can kind of chip away at the caramelized sugars on the rocks. Um, that's a more traditional thing. I don't know, you know, when, um, you know, the port brewing or when, you know, dogfish does their stein beers, whether they ferment with the rocks or not. I mean, it, it just seems to me like you could make heating elements surrounded by ceramics, essentially terracotta, right? I mean, and and you could use those to, to create caramelization, and then you could remove the terracotta stuff, put new ones on, mm-hmm. throw those into the fermenter keep doing it you know you got a business plan going here you could start a stein beer brewery i the thing is i'm i really am attracted to the flavors that you get from stein beers i I like the the deep caramel you get without a huge amount of malt without going crazy in the alcohol without going crazy Mm -hmm. um in your malt bill sure so if i mean if someone could figure out a way to do it in a way that's not necessarily prohibitively expensive i i don't believe I don't believe you that this beer is 4.5% because oh, here the label says 6.2. There we go. Okay. I mean, just because I'm like, if that was 4.5, I shouldn't have had any progression in any kind of intoxication. And yeah. I feel just a slight bit more than... Oh, I believe that their website's wrong. I, I believe you that their website's wrong. <laughs> dead air, dead air, dead air. So, um... Uh, anything else you want to say about the Shiner? <laughs> Is that better than dead air? <laughs> no, it's not. But I'm trying to move it on because I don't feel like editing. I'm just I'm curious about about their website. Really, <laughs> maybe it's been hacked by yeah, by, by by people who are trying to lower the alcohol level. <laughs> fears. Exactly, exactly. Those crazy hackers—they'll do anything. Must be anonymous, right? <laughs> Okay, so now we move on to some big bottles that were given to us by a very dear friend, Gary. Send us some beers from the brewery. Talked about it in depth last week. Go back and listen if you missed it. The first one we're going to do is we're going to do a very, to me, it seems like a very unusual combination of uh, attributes in the beer style. This is the Beerbach. This is an Imperial Maybach beer aged in oak barrels. An Imperial Maybach aged in oak. <laughs> I haven't had one of those before. This is part of the Provisions series. So Bierbach means beer belly in German. Um, it was their Provisions series for the month of May in 2011. That's why they made a Maybach. Uh, and so here's what they say on their website. And I'll go into the marketing speaker because it's kind of fun. Uh Let's see, it's, it's for the May 2011, so of course we had to make it in my buck, and we're the brewery, so of course we had to make it Imperial. <laughs> Why stop there where you can age it in oak barrels for a few months? So, 8.6% alcohol by volume. So for the provision series, does it say there what the provision series is? Do they do a release every month? Is that what it is? It's a collection... Features a variety of small batch beers that will be made only once. They're sold through our reserve society as well as a limited selection in our provision store in Old Town Orange, Orange County. Um, yeah, I looked up where exactly they were. They're right north of Anaheim and, and Orange County. So, mm-hmm. all right, Placentia is the name of, of, of where they are, Placentia, California. So, the beer pours a uh, cloudy gold orange. Uh, big fluffy head on it. It's more it's more towards the, you know, darker orange than it is gold. Okay. It's it's got this yeah, white white head, a little bit rocky, but with some big bubbles in it. Pretty cloudy, you know, my box lagered, typically pretty clear beer. Um once you throw them into barrels, you know, who knows Especially if they're new barrels. I mean, because, you know, back in the day, all beer was fermented in wood, right? But, you know, those would typically be very well-seasoned barrels used year after year after right. year. 
and um, they would probably the, all the new barrels they got in they would probably blend out you know until the things became mature barrels where who knows maybe here they're going i mean sounds like they're going for let's put some fresh oak flavor in this thing um probably not bugs doesn't suggest bugs at all so it's probably a, a new barrel of some sort it's funny the first thing i smell was hops <laughs> and the second thing now i'm smelling it more lots of oak yeah i'm sm- i couldn't tell what i was smelling at first it was kind of a um indecipherable whiff of something yeah i couldn't pick out any real root elements but now yeah i'm getting a big oak flavor and um so it's a big vanilla a little bit of char Mm-hmm. yeah that that's the main part of the of the aroma i'm not getting too much hops on the aroma though <laughs> it's oaky That is interesting, isn't it? It is. It's... Boy. Ooh. Yeah. <laughs> I got a late aftertaste the same time Greg said, ooh. <laughs> the vanilla really kicked it in kicked in there, didn't it? Yeah, there's... there's I'm trying... I was, like, contemplating words to figure, to, you know, to say, and then all of a sudden it kicked in a different... I'm like, oh, jeez. <laughs> It was funny. It turned on, and, and it, it's, it's. I think it's pretty weird how it turned on the exact same time for both Greg and I. Oh, now here's here's my ooh. Way, 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 way late in the taste. I'm getting I'm getting the malt coming through now. It, it almost um, reminds me of reminds me of like when you're mashing in your grains that that fresh doughy malt flavor slash aroma that you get okay. right when you're doing an all-grain batch and right when you're doing in. Um, that's kind of the malt flavor I got. And I noticed a quick aside, you know, I had that variety case of Great Lakes beer and I was drinking some Burning River. And really, it's been a couple years probably since I've had some Burning River before that. And that's a flavor that was in the Burning River in this case that I was loving so much. It was this grainy, mashy, dough-in type flavor, this this barley flavor. And I don't remember ever having that in the Burning River. And I loved it. Loved it. And I'm getting a little bit of that here. But it's like like 45 seconds after you take a sip. <laughs> the front is a lot of oak. And the middle is is kind of a... a sort of, it, it almost tastes like a deep wheat, which is weird. But the end is pure pizza dough. Pizza... Oh, okay. And, you know, with hops. But... <laughs> This is a um, it's a unique beer, a unique flavor for sure. <laughs> wow. Um, you know, it's interesting is is how the oak kind of you know is, is there in the front and then kind of dissipates, and some of the malt builds the end. The oak is there in the front, but it does dissipate. But then some of the like sub the nuances are the I guess like some of the undertones of the oak come through a little bit stronger. Then right, some of the vanilla pops out. You know, so instead of getting this like just big wood flavor, you get some of the other things a little bit later on in the flavor. But yeah, beginning of every sip is just like, hey, here, have some wood to chew yeah. on. <laughs> that reminds me, I've been watching a lot of QI lately, which is where some of the questions that I got for Jeff in the pre-show are from. I don't even know what QI is. It's a panel show in um, Britain uh, with Stephen Fry as the host. Okay. They had a story about how in early World War, either World War One or World War Two, probably World War One, when raspberry jam was hard to come by, there were people who were making fake raspberry jam. Okay, and they made it with rhubarb, and in order to make it seem more like raspberry, they added pips that were made of wood. <laughs> <laughs> Fun. So, if you want to eat some wood, there you go. There's worse things I could have put in the beer to make it more pity. Um, I, uh, wow. It's, uh, all right. I'm trying, to, I'm trying to remember. I got a flavor last time when Greg was telling a story. I'm like, oh, but I lost it. Let me try to find it again. 
as I'm drinking it, the hops are coming through more. Yes. Yeah. Absolutely. They're. It's a pretty happy Maybach. Well, it is from California. Yes. They don't know how to do. Other than a few exceptions, they're not. You know, they don't do traditional German lagers. <laughs> So this was May 2011, so this is from nearly last year mm-hmm. already. It's Imperial, it's oak-aged, you know. But this is a one-time-only release. Yeah. So, But Gary you, just bought it. You yeah, know, so you ago. would be only able to get it, really, probably in California. Yeah, Gary just made a trip down there, and, and that's where he got it. So, yeah, I mean, it's probably still on the shelves. But hurry now, because after Crafty Radio buzzes this thing up, it's going to sell out like hotcakes. <laughs> Absolutely. Or a huge pull in the industry. <laughs> Did you see we got that invite to that invite to yes. judge, to judge beer cans at the Craft Brewers Conference? I, I, I had to email them back saying, you know, we weren't going to uh, San Diego. I said, unless this judging gig includes airfare. Right. And he answered kind of seriously, like, no, there's no, air, no airfare in the budget for this thing. Well, you know, <laughs> he didn't know whether we were being totally... Oh, I put a big smiley face. <laughs> he did a winking but, smiley face. Uh, yes, yes. Yeah, that's what but if, be you, like. if you don't ask for things like that, you don't get the things like that. That's true. That's true. The, the best example you never, is the bottle Utopia sitting in the other. Yes. <laughs> you never know when you know a, a innocent question could be like, yeah, sure, why not? Yeah. But yeah, there's no reason to have us out to judge cans to, to fly us out the. San Diego to I'm glad, I'm glad the guy thought of us. I am too, and I would have loved to go there, and I think it would be interesting, but we're not experts on beer cans, you know, or design. That's really not what we do. Oh, I think, you know, I, I appreciate commercials, design, and whatnot, you know, and when we're... Oh, I definitely when, appreciate right, that. Right, right. So and I would have had you, a lot of fun you doing could have, it. You could have good input on... So like, there's a, like he mentioned in the first email about the whole marketing speak thing that we yeah. use. And... There's a time and a place for things, but on our show, which is primarily evaluating beer, there's not time for marketing. Speech. Yeah, we comment sometimes on on the labels, like we comment on the Serenade. Yeah, yeah, we're hypocrites. Sure, absolutely. But <laughs> if we were doing something, if our show was like it used to be, where it was more industry related, right? Yeah. There'd be more room for graphic design, yes. cans, marketing yes. speak. But since our show has evolved to be mostly evaluation, well, yeah. I mean, I'm not. I'm not trying to imply that you know we that. It was a, it is a bad thing. I mean, I think it's a great idea and really interesting, and I would have loved to be there. But I just I wonder about our credentials for for judging that sort of thing. <laughs> maybe maybe it it's been, a. I didn't think we were under. Uh, I thought it was perfectly fine. I would have loved to love to do it. Nice thing about Kansas, you get so much area to to do artwork. Right, it doesn't right. have to just be this little square label in the front. It's the whole can, so you can do some pretty cool stuff with it. So how come most cans aren't really that interesting? <clears throat> they don't want to hire the uh, the artist to do the interesting stuff, right? <laughs> I don't know. I mean, a lot of the craft cans are... The, well, I think the problem is since you have a, large, a larger service area, you, in order to be really interesting, you have to kind of do the whole can. Yeah. And that makes... Mm-hmm. I, mean, I think there's some good craft, really good craft cans out there. Um, 21st Amendment has some good designs. Surly has some good designs. They don't usually use the whole can. I saw a couple other ones recently that used the whole can in some pretty interesting ways. Um, you know, speaking of not using cans in interesting ways, I'm surprised like the energy drinks don't use cans better. Yeah. Well, I, I'm. You know, you know what? I'm not. Because they're the whole deal is they just want to get you interested. They're not about being arty. Yeah, it, it's it's much more about catching your eye and and getting interested in the product. It's not necessarily about bringing an artistic thing to the whole. Whereas beer, especially the craft beer movement, is much more about art. You know, the art of brewing. In that good sense. point, good point. I would have thought that you know good design would bring in the people, but and they would be the most competitive canned product to do so. But, but maybe you're right. Maybe right. It's it's all about uh, the basics of of catching someone's eye for Rockstar and right. Monster and whatever. Yeah. Back to the beer, Bach. 
Very, uh, very interesting beer. Hmm. Not totally sure what to make of it. To be totally yeah, honest, yeah. I mean, with you. my last sip and my, uh, you know, about six ounces of it was um, the hops had faded again, and the oak had become more prominent. So it, it it changes as you drink it. You pull new things out every single sip. Fascinating. Best served in a tulip or wine glass. Ta da. 8.6 CBV, is that what that says right there? Yep. All right, so... For sale in California only, so... Let's put the uh, Xylus Unless you, unless you have a godfather-like Gary is for us. <laughs> He's our sugar daddy. <laughs> We're going to do another provision series from the brewery. This is Salt of the Earth. This is a Goza. That is the... Not uh, to be confused with the Who's. Not to be confused with the Who's at all. Goza, I guess I was reading that it was um, invented in Leipzig, right? Yes. And actually, I thought, it was, I thought it was more Scandinavian, but I guess... They I say it's a wheat beer traditionally brewed with salt and coriander as well as lactic bacteria. Woohoo! <laughs> Clearly not following the Reinheimskabut, we figured we'd knock it up a level by using the addition of truffle salt. And our goes adding an earthy and funky element to the aroma, blah blah blah. Five percent alcohol by volume. Big rocky head on this yeah, one. Yeah, I poured it gently and the head just got bigger and bigger and bigger. The fourth straw slash golden color beer of the night, more in the straw area. Hmm. Now, this is going to confuse both Jeff and I because we are not experienced with smelling truffles. Yeah, we're not. I'm not a truffle expert. I'm not a Goza expert. So yeah. they threw an extra variable in there. I did pull up a page for truffle salt. So Dean and DeLuca make some truffle salt. And they did Jeff ask what truffle salt was? And my guess was salt infused with truffle oil. Is that essentially but what it, it is? It looks like it's um, dried truffles and salt, right? So open the jar and breathe it in. Earthy, musty, intoxicating. Highly prized truffles are delicately blended with sea salt to bring a rich, earthy flavor to your cooking. White is great for risotto, salads, and vegetables, while black is ideal for egg dishes, red meat, and even buttered popcorn. Soon the two will be in your favorite secret ingredient. Not at $27.50 for 4 ounces of white truffle salt and $29.50 for 4 ounces... Oh. No, no, I'm sorry, five and a half ounces of black truffle salt. Now, I, I was saying to Jeff that white is more valuable than than black. Um, if you get, like, you can get, like, huge amounts of shaved truffle on your dish for, at, at huge, at big restaurants, if you want to pay an extra $100 or something, I mean, that's how that's how expensive they are. Like, a, mm-hmm. a white truffle about the size of my fist would probably be in the range of two or $3,000. Insane. So, yeah, this this is culinary gold. So, Black truffles can be cultivated; white cannot. And uh, we were talking, we'll talk about more in the post show about uh, Chinese truffles and right. how it's ruining everything, at least for the Italians and French that sell truffles. Right. Well, that's a weird. Uh, so that I, I what I presume is the truffle salt. Right, that earthy, musty. That's what I'm getting on the aroma. This big musty aroma. I like it. I, I um, a little peppery. You get a little black pepper in there too. In the aroma. Yeah, but see, the, the thing is, it's it has it has that musty, but also a little bit of an oily character to the aroma too. And 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 just a slight floweriness. As well, just a slight bit. Maybe I'm a, maybe I'm saying that because this is truffles, and I'm expecting something like that. <laughs> I don't know. See, I wasn't. I was. I mean, I don't think I was expecting anything other than you know malt and hops and grain, and you know you don't really have a salt. There's not really a salty smell. Excuse me. A little got a little uh, gas from the the beers this night this evening. <sighs> We should uh, we should have tums right before we do our show that they may come down. I mean, it's just burping, right? So I'm not sure there's much you're going to do there unless you degas it before you swallow it. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm not sure I really have good words. It's it's kind of um, it's earthy. Um, it's not. Mm, it smells kind of citrusy, which could be the hops just coming through. It's 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 a unique aroma for sure. I've said unique too many times tonight. I apologize. Um, it's an aroma I haven't encountered before, and like I said, I don't think I've had truffles on anything um, other than maybe just like a single little tiny little sliver on something I had once. But it's it's I, I hesitate to say woody because it's not like any kind of wood that I can think of, but. There, there's a. <laughs> oh, I, uh, Greg took a sip and he's giggling like a little boy. So I better take a sip here. <laughs> I'm just I'm, I'm constantly surprised by by what's going on in these brewery beers. Holy shit! Yeah, what is going on? It, it's like spices that, I mean, it's spices I recognize, but not what I was expecting. How often do you taste salt in a beer? Just when you drink a Goza. Yeah. <laughs> and I have not had many, if any, I, I'm trying to think of if I've had a Goza. East End did one, but I'm not sure I got to try it. You can taste the salt. You absolutely can. Mm-hmm. Um, it comes through big. You can see... I can almost see why in that tongue graph is totally wrong and nonsense. They put bitter on the sides, right? Because that's where you're getting a lot of the... the um, the salivating, it feels like. The salt is bringing out the, those you know those notes on the sides of your tongue. That's crazy. This beer is crazy. Yeah, yeah you get all, the salt, it doesn't taste like salt water or anything, though, right? It tastes like... There's a, there's a bit of that. It, it, it's oh, not ocean okay. water, but yeah, I mean... Not, it's a, not ocean water. You know, I, I used some... I made a... a re, Heather picked out a recipe, and it called for some white wine to cook with, right? And we didn't have any white wine here. And she was, um, so she was tossing up whether buying some cooking wine at the grocery store, because here in Pennsylvania, we can't get wine at the grocery store. And, or going to the liquor store and buying, you know, a cheap bottle of white wine to cook with. Um, That should have been your answer. Should have been her answer. Or should have been my answer. I didn't, I I might get, check the prices. If it looks, sounds like it's going to be close in price to the liquor store, go to the liquor store. It was like three bucks for a bottle, but they put in salt. Lots and lots of salt in, in the cooking, wine. Yeah, in the cooking, cooking wine. wine. Because they don't want you to drink it. Yeah. Right. And I took a sip of it just to see. And yeah, it tastes like ocean water salty, right? It's yeah. like one and a half percent salt. And it's like, yeah, you, just so you can't drink it. So it's, uh, yeah, it's not like that at all. <laughs> this one. The, the general rule of thumb is don't, don't cook with anything you wouldn't drink. Mm-hmm. Ideally, now it de- well, though, I tasted it. I'm like, oh shit! And I already put the salt in the re- in the dish, right? So I'm like, I can't adjust. So the sauce was a little salty, but it was still a good dish overall. But uh, I don't know. Think I'm going to use the rest of that, <laughs> that white cooking wine. It depends on what you're trying to bring out, because for example, in a tomato sauce, tomatoes need salt, and really all you're trying to do is bring out the alcohol soluble flavors. Mm-hmm. So, if you're not adding a bunch of grapey flavor or something like that, then cooking wine will work. Okay. But yeah, this was a tomato base, so I mean, but like I said, the, the you end know, product, the, the a cheap salt. white wine is going to cost you five or six bucks. It's not going to be. Yeah, but it was yeah. it was an extra stop, you know? So because of Pennsylvania, it's a little more inconvenient. Yeah. Anyway, back to the goza, the um. There's so much flavor, new flavors to us, the salt, the truffles, that it's like hard to dig into the the beer components, right? The malt and the hops and the... 
I I assume they went with wheat so as not to overpower the other ingredients. Mm-hmm. So as to well, I mean it, it's it's traditional, I guess, for mm-hmm. it to be a wheat beer yeah. anyway. But they they didn't go strong on the wheat. They didn't they didn't go dark on the wheat. Uh, they they left the the salt and the truffle to kind of to, to give you the most of it. Um, there was a little bit of of hoppiness there, but yeah, I mean, how do you describe the truffle? And the only way I can think of it is is a, is a fruity mushroom, which is what it is. <laughs> yeah, I guess, but I mean, it, maybe like a, a porcini or something. It, it it's it's not. more than that. It has extra flavor component. Mm-hmm. It's got. But like when I think mushroom, I think you know I think certain things, and that's not at all what I'm getting here. So I'm trying to think like maybe a porcini, but uh, I guess chanterelles. I, I mean a woody mushroom, but yeah, there's so much more going on. I'm gonna have to I'm gonna have to buy a thousand dollar truffle and try it out. I guess you can in 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 the big um, in in the. Whole Foods, Giant Eagles, what do they call the market districts? You can mm-hmm. usually get little black truffles, the Chinese ones, and they're—I mean—they're expensive still. Mm-hmm. Even though you can cultivate them, they're still like twelve or thirteen bucks for a little thing like that. And he said about the size of a marble. Yeah, roughly. And, uh, but you can get them. And I haven't had much luck with them, to be totally okay. honest with you. I, I haven't... Well, that's because the Chinese ones suck. And <laughs> you get an Italian or French truffle, my friend. There was a special on 60 Minutes a couple weeks ago about this, about counterfeit truffles or Chinese truffles. And um, one of the more interesting parts, I thought, was how the spores from the Chinese truffles are getting into the landscape in right. Italy. So it's you know gonna like screw up their whole culture, their whole truffle industry. So that's that's fascinating. Interesting stuff. Hmm. I think it's time to ring some beers. I don't know whether it is. You don't know whether it is because I'm not. No, I don't know if I'm satisfied yet. Oh. Okay. I wonder if there's anything else in the fridge. Not necessarily one of these brewery beers, maybe something else in the fridge to uh, to jump on. Sure, we can grab a beer. Let me pause. All right, we're back after that very tiny pause. I brought out three uh, possible candidates for Greg's uh, fifth beer, and he's having a hard time deciding. I am. So we have the Carl Strauss 23rd, advanced, 23rd Anniversary Old Ale. Ale aged oak bourbon barrels that uh, Carl sent us. We have the Rogue John John Ale. This is the one that is hazelnut flavored ale with natural hazelnut flavor aged in hazelnut spice rum barrels. Because John John is John the brewer and John the distiller from Rogue collaborating on things. And we have Abita's 25th anniversary vanilla double dog. Choose, but choose wisely. Any, meeny, money, money, get your dinger. My mother told me to pick this one. <laughs> Actually, the, the way I learned it was my mother told my mom told me to pick the very best one, and you are not it. Mm. Never heard that before. Um, you know what? Let's try the Abita. All right, the Abita it is. This is a beer I picked up last week at One for the Road Tap Room and Beer Emporium, or Beer Emporium and Tap Room, or whatever they call it. Fancy bottle, silk screened. Lots of curly leaf script stuff. Vanilla Double Dog. Vanilla Double Dog. They call this an American strong ale. 7% alcohol by volume. 
This was uh, eight ninety nine for a twenty two ounce bottle in Pennsylvania. Not a bad price. Okay, here's their site. Turbo Dog is the inspiration for this robust dark ale. Whole natural vanilla beans. They use a combination process. That's all they're really saying. All right. Bunch of deliciouses and and transcendentalism. Well, you know, it's, you know, this kind of body, this kind of, you know, this kind of flavor. Doesn't say anything about barrels, though, right? No. No. Just just vanilla. Okay. Pretty cold too, so I'm gonna get warm up a bit. Yeah, it, this is are... this is the darkest beer we've had tonight by far. Yeah, it looks like a stout. Only in the very bottom yeah, of it's this. It's got wine. a you know brownish it's, head. It's only in the very bottom of the wine glass where you can. It's pretty narrow. Can you see through it? Yeah, we're gonna wrap our hands around this puppy and warm him up for a little bit. So, <laughs> I'm trying to think of beery things that are going. Do you on. have like a salt aftertaste in your mouth? I don't think so. I do a bit. I was looking at the Beer Advocate reviews for the Salt of the Earth, and in general, not super, I mean, like 81 was, I think, what they called it. So, you know, it's a B. They weren't loving it, huh? I no. thought it was pretty fascinating. Yeah, I, I thought so, too. I, I But then again, you know what Beer Advocate's like. They're If it's not super hoppy and super high alcohol, then... But it goes is super weird. It should get some cred points for that, you would think. It it, it should. Especially it goes with truffle salt. <laughs> it should, but it doesn't. And and that's why that's one of the reasons why I, I don't you know, when I make the pages I don't link to Beer Advocate, mm-hmm. I link to the website because I find Beer Advocate linkings to be kind of Iffy. I generally just, I mean, I used to link to Beer Advocate. If I do them now, I generally just link to whatever come I find first. <laughs> if it's the brewery website, great. If it's not, then they're getting beer advocate or rape beer. Um, what was I gonna say? Oh, I I cracked open that um, that dogfish from last week, the the Tenucket, yeah. Ten- or whatever. The buckwheat ale. The buck? Uh, no, no, not the buckwheat. The the one that was Egypt and oh, that what? one, the crazy palm tree one. Oh, right, 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 right. And yeah, it was just as crazy weird the <laughs> time I had it. I'm like, I'll oh, put the cap on this and save it to share with someone just so they can experience the damn thing. Oh, that reminds me. I shared the very last bit of the Utopia. I finally brought it out oh, okay. with, uh, with Damien. And uh, he was, he said it was one of the best beers he ever had. Mm-hmm. And he said it was the first time that he wanted to lick a glass after he was done with it. That's like when I... Uh, you know, I bought some real maple syrup, right? It's a lot more expensive than the yeah. the syrup-like product at the grocery store. And yeah, whenever I have pancakes or waffles from the real maple syrup, I feel like I have to like lick the plate, right? I mean, just because you're paying like thirty bucks for a yeah. jar of maple syrup. Well, I mean, I would just, you know, he was as amazed as you know I think we were that how expressive and how interesting and and delicious that, that those utopias are. Yeah, or at least say you four years old utopia is. You know, at that alcohol, it's probably a lot like a spirit where, you know, it's the time spent in the barrel that makes the character, mm-hmm. and aging in the bottle doesn't change it all that much. Yeah, you know, so I don't. I think utopias would age less than a lot of barley wines and things like that. You're probably right. Still, just an amazing. But you know, if someone wants to send me a fresh Utopia so I can compare yeah, the two, right. that's fine. Hey, if you don't ask the question, you never get the answer, right? <laughs> all right, all right. This is the vanilla double dog. So presumably, they made a double dog at some point too, right? An Imperial Turbo Dog. Well, I mean, they say it's a twenty-fifth anniversary double dog. Never had their root beer. Oh, ooh, <laughs> that's the aroma was still pretty closed off for me. I was, I really wasn't 
knowing what to expect on the flavor, but I took a sip anyway. And it's um it's a big vanilla and it's I think it's pretty well done. Uh it reminds me a lot of um, the the Southern Tier um, creme brulee a little bit, but yeah, actually it's it. I like it better than I recall the creme brulee. Creme brulee was a little sweet, cloying, a little hot. This has a good balance to it. I mean, the 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 Turbo Dog is sort of a kind of amped up uh, brown ale, and this mm-hmm. is a little bit more. Mm-hmm. Amped up, so it's it's got some interesting. So the Turbo Dog is they say on their site, um, Willamette hops, pale crystal chocolate malt. So this would be that with extra vanilla and other stuff. Actually, I take that back. It doesn't remind me of the Crimberly. It reminds me more of the Chocolate, which I think is a very well done beer from Southern Tier. Um. I know that's that's Belgian chocolate and not vanilla bean, but you know as we've talked before, very similar flavors. And most chocolates have some vanilla added, right, Greg? Number one flavor in chocolate, yes. Right. So this reminds me more of the just the overall creaminess, the feel of of the chocolate beer from from Southern Tier. I'm not getting that. Not really at all. The the okay. the the chocolate is is not there to me um the vanilla is mm-hmm. uh, but it's more of a more of a kind of vanilla liqueur kind of flavor as opposed to sort of the deep creaminess and stuff or, or and slight dark bitterness that you get from chocolate sure sure uh the bitterness that, that's here you know is definitely coming from the willamette hops mm-hmm This is, I mean, for vanilla beer, this is very good. I've uh, often been disappointed by vanilla beers. I'm not going to name names, but... Uh, <laughs> it expresses the vanilla very well. It does. Without it being overdone, and without it being a... Uh, it doesn't taste like a, um extract or anything. Right. It doesn't taste medicinal... So they only use vanilla beans in the aging process. Mm-hmm. So they didn't add it during the boil, which might bring out too many of the oils. So they kind of, you know, they, they let it age with the beer. And that, I assume, helped. Makes sense. <clears throat> hmm. Do you have an alcohol volume on this? Is it on this? Seven. Okay. Seven percent. So this is, um, you, you, you know, go back, and now that you tasted the beer, look at this price tag. It's a pretty good deal. Yeah, and that's what I was about to say, is that, you know, if we can get this in Pittsburgh for eight ninety nine, you can probably get this in a lot of areas. Probably get in Ohio for six-something. Yeah. Or, or seven-something. So this would be something to look out for. I mean, the other ones, you know, well, okay, so the, the Saranac you could probably find. The 102 double wheat. I don't know how you know. Seeing it, uh, by their by their website, I, I honestly don't know how. Uh, I think uh, yeah, they don't have one. I mean, they do it once a year, right? Their yeah. anniversary, and this is the current year. I'm not sure exactly when their anniversary is. Um, this was one of the beers I bought for the beer club, so it was at the beer distributor last week. So I still had a case of it there, right? So you can find that. The provisions you'll have a very tough find, time finding unless you're in California, and uh, but the, the Abita, you should have a relatively easy time finding, it and it's not going to be very expensive for you. Yeah, I mean for the price, this is fantastic. The beer is very good on its own, but getting this very good beer for nine dollars, I bet at all. Now, I think it's ranking time, and since you went. First, the last couple of times we're going to go first All this right. time. Let it rip. All right. Well, my my rankings. It's hard. Yes, it's really hard. 
it's jeez. I mean, I, I was confident when I said it. And now I'm thinking like, <laughs> oof, these are hard. Um, I wish I would have had Salt of the Earth last. Okay. I mean, we did, mm-hmm. but I'm still tasting some saltiness. <laughs> yeah, you're the one that ruined that, not me. Um, but that may be why I'm putting Salt of the Earth as my number one beer. And, I mean, come on, how often are you going to find a a, uh, a goes? Not very often. With truffle salt. With truffle salt. Another one. Not very often. Interesting, intriguing, lots of flavors to explore, which is what we love, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, none of these are wild beers tonight. Um, but they are fascinating and interesting and uh, complex and delicious. Mm-hmm. So I don't want to give it away from them. But then I'm like, oh my god, this is one of the best things I've ever tasted. But remarkable, remarkable beers. So number two, I'm going to go with our last beer of the night, the Double Dog. Okay. Uh I don't think you can beat it for the price. No. Um, really good. The nice vanilla flavor. The I, I think I was I was craving something dark, so I was glad you pulled out some dark stuff. You know, just some some maltiness to end the night on, and the vanilla is is used in in just the right way. So I'll give that. Shiner one hundred two is going to be my third. The double wheat. Uh, I, you, you know, we, we talked about that, that Stein beer, um, mm-hmm. flavor and, and yeah, how you can reproduce that boy, pretty, pretty uh, remarkable what, what, uh, what you can do with, with a low, I mean, well, I guess it wasn't as low call as we thought, but, uh, interesting and, uh, and, and, and quite good. Um, Uh, okay, so the, the the what's it called? Beer Beerbach? Yeah, Beerbach. 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 The uh The Imperial Maybach aged oak barrels. Would be number four. Really interesting oak, then vanilla, then pizza dough. Mm-hmm. Um a little Almost off-putting because it's got the you know <laughs> these interesting qualities, uh, and a little bit of a hard luck loser because going after unique beers and and this is even a very unique one, and I, they know it. <laughs> you can tell they know it when they're making it, but you know that's what the brewery does, and, and you got to give them credit for that. And last, uh, the the white ale, and um, even though. I still think that the citron citra hops is not the best uh the pig it wasn't bad mm-hmm. it wasn't as bad as i you know I had remembered right um so a little bit a hard luck loser on the end there all right, so it's my turn, and i <sighs> yikes uh, you know you know i'm gonna do it i'm gonna do it i'm not going to um i'm gonna put the abita as my favorite beer of the night, okay the vanilla was expertly used and you can't taste rare right rare doesn't have a flavor so i can't really give the breweries either the breweries beers an extra bump i i really like that that abita that uh 25th anniversary vanilla double dog uh just behind that i'm going to put salt of the earth the goza from from the brewery, fantastic, fantastic. It's just if I was doing the two heads up, no labels, blind tasting, I would pick the vanilla Imperial Brown over mm. the Goza, but I would love the Goza as well. Number three, this is really tight down here too, because um, I liked all five beers. I think I would take the Beerbach over the Shiner. So the number three is the Beerbach from brewery. Uh, number four, I'm going to have to put the Shiner number four in the Saranac fifth, which 
pains me because I've been loving the Saranac as an after-work beer. But tonight, it, it didn't taste the same. Maybe the glass? I don't know. It just pains me to put this Saranac white IPA last. But that's the way the cookie crumbles. It does. All right, so that is uh, CBR 205. 204, ain't it? No. Last week was 204. This oh. is 205. Well, then I need to fix the intro. You put you said 204 in the intro? I put 204 in the folder name. It didn't yell at me. Oh, well. <laughs> Here we go. Craft Beer Radio, episode 205 on February 12th, 2012. Uh, no, you can't do that because the, we talked about the February in the beginning, so you just can't you have to live with it. I'll, sp- I'll splice it in somehow. Uh, we'll talk to you soon. Thank you for listening to Craft Beer Radio. If you have questions or comments, you can email us at beer at craftbeerradio.com. Craft Beer Radio is released under the Creative Commons license. Visit craftbeerradio.com for more information. The opening and closing music is Last Hurrah, the band The Lights Out. You can listen to more of their music at their website, thelightsout.com. Some people get a longer fuse. Some people's shoulders are big enough for the abuse. But they never say what you can't hear.